Welcome to the Queen of Hearts podcast. And here's the queen herself, registered dietitian Heather Klug. We like it. We love it. We want some more of it. Woo! Unless we don't feel like it, or it's painful, <laughs> or we just don't get the same kind of pleasure from it that we used to. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. It's sex, ladies. Yes, it is. And like so many other things in our bodies, it can also go haywire during perimenopause. So today, we're giving you the lowdown on how this change of life can impact our sex lives and what we can do to keep ourselves happy, healthy, and satisfied. Yeah. I'm Heather Clue. And I'm Bethany DeBrew Adams. And we're from the, the Karen Yance Women's, Women's Cardiac, Cardiac Awareness Center. Center. Let's talk about perimenopausal sex, baby. No sense in just delaying that. We're going to go right to it. All right. I think this is a topic that most of our listeners can agree is top of mind when staring down perimenopause mm-hmm. and menopause. Since hormones play such a huge role in our sex drive and our sexual response, it only stands to reason that once perimenopause comes along, we worry that things will be so on the fritz that happy, healthy, and pleasurable sex is a thing of the past. Mm. And I'll be frank, it's probably one of the main things that I worry about in the coming years. Probably my husband too, I would assume. My husband and I, not to give too many details, but we have a pretty happy and active sex life. (laughs) Sorry to my mom. (laughs) And I'd like it to stay that way, you know. But I'm already noticing some changes that I'm not too thrilled about. What about you, Heather? Yeah, well, unlike you, I (laughs) hadn't really given this topic much thought when it came to perimenopause. You make me sound like the dirty old lady. <laughs> no, no, I don't mean it in that way. I just mean more, I thought about the other changes that happen. Like, I worry more about hot flashes. Okay. Because I feel like my mom and so many of my aunts, that's kind of what I hear about a lot. Sure. So that's been in the forefront. But yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of stuff going on. I think once and we I, talk about all this stuff, yeah, it's, it's going to be like, whoa. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> You know, I've started to see some changes in this area, too, and I'll share something that I learned a little bit later on in this episode that made me really intrigued. Yeah, that made me think more about this topic and just really why it's so important. Okay. Mm -hmm. But like you, I also want to make sure that my sex life stays active Mm -hmm. and happy well into my 50s and 60s and beyond. I'm sure your husband's happy to hear that. Yes. So let's start by really defining what a healthy, normal sex life is. Now, everyone's version of this is going to look a little different. Mm -hmm. Your standard of sexual health or what sexual satisfaction is, is going to depend a lot on your individual background, culture, biological makeup, and your personal sexual experiences. Right. But the official definition that is put out there by the World Health Organization is a state of physical, emotional, mental, and social well-being in relation to sexuality. It's not merely the absence of disease, dysfunction, or infirmity. So it's a little more proactive than Mm -hmm. reactive. Yes. I think, though, that there are some basic principles that we can all agree on at the end of the day when it comes to what a healthy sex life looks like. Okay. So first, each of us should have some degree of desire for sex, Mm -hmm. right? Second, we should have an ability to enjoy sex. Mm -hmm. And lastly, you personally should be comfortable with your level of sexual desire, response, and function. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, Heather, but 
by this point in my life, I feel like I've become a pretty good judge of what my libido is like on any given day. Sure. You know, and I'm going to be aware of when something is going on that's out of the realm of the norm for myself. And that might not look like what your normal is, but Mm -hmm. you're going to know what your libido is like and when that's off kilter. And that brings up a really important point here, which is the question of what bothers each of us about any sexual issues we are having. Mm -hmm. For example, if I notice that my sexual desire isn't as high as it was when I was in my 20s. Is anyone's, really? (laughs) (laughs) And I happen to be okay with that because my sex life is still satisfying to me, then I am not having a problem with desire. The issue is not the sexual condition itself, rather it's whether that condition is bothersome or troubling to the person or the persons involved. Right. Basically, if the issue isn't a problem for you and possibly your partner as well, then it's not a problem. Right. It's only a problem if it is a problem. Yes. So there are four phases of sexual response that every one of us has. And it's important to know these because as we're talking about the sexual issues that kind of develop, they're discussed in terms of these phases. So first, there's desire, obviously, mm-hmm. and then arousal, mm-hmm. then orgasm, mm-hmm. and finally resolution. Okay. So when we're talking about sexual dysfunction, with the first phase, we can experience a lack of desire. Mm-hmm. With that second phase, we can experience problems with the physical changes that the body undergoes as it's getting ready for sex. And in those last two phases, we can have difficulties with the act of sex itself. And while all of these phases are related to each other and sexual problems can include elements from more than one phase, different factors can be involved in problems at each phase. So like anything else, you know, different things are going to play into all these issues. Right, which makes sense. So let's get into what some of these problems can be. The most common sexual difficulties women experience during perimenopause are loss of interest in sex, Mm. inability to relax during sexual activity. Mm -hmm. I think just as women, we're thinking of a million things. (laughs) Uh, Painful sex, difficulty becoming aroused or sufficiently aroused. Right, that's a thing. (laughs) Yeah. And then the last one, inability to orgasm. These issues can be looked at in two ways. The hormonal factors that can influence sexual function during perimenopause and the non-hormonal factors that can influence it. I think most of us really want to know what the areas are that are directly impacted by these hormonal fluctuations. Perimenopause, as we've said many times, is characterized by things like irregular periods, bloating, and extreme PMS symptoms, as well as those, you know, lovely hot flashes, Mm. sore breasts, and fatigue. It's just a party for a decade or so. Right. You can get a random assortment of high and low estrogen symptoms at any given time during perimenopause, and these can have a substantial impact on a woman's sexual interest and capacity to become aroused and or achieve orgasm. Right. So when we look at the sexual difficulties that are caused directly by hormone fluctuations, we see things like dryness in the vagina and thinning of Mm -hmm. the vagina. This can be called atrophy. Yes. Less estrogen means less vaginal lubrication and Mm -hmm. also a less stretchable vagina, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. During perimenopause and especially after the menopause transition, your vagina may also shorten and become tighter at the opening. Jeez. I know. (laughs) It's like it just keeps... (laughs) There's just more. Uh. 
So for some women, this equals a feeling of vaginal tightness during sex, as well as pain, burning, or soreness. And finally, because mm, you, you thought that was it, but <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Inflammation and irritation, known as atrophic vaginitis, can develop. And this also can lead to discomfort. But in addition to that, tearing and bleeding with any penetration of the vagina. And all of these sound super duper miserable. Yes, they do. And I'd like to just share a little story about a speaker I heard a few years back. So this is what I was alluding to before. Okay. So I was at an event. It was like a women's night, like a ladies night out kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. I presented and then right after me was this uh, nurse who deals with women with sexual dysfunction. Okay. Okay. And she was there to talk about the changes that happen to women during perimenopause and after menopause and then what you can kind of do about that. Sure. And what I was originally going to do, I was packing up my stuff and I'm like, oh, I'm going to head home because it's getting kind of late. Right. right? And then I'm like, oh, I should probably stay for this because this is kind (laughs) of interesting. It might be important to me. (laughs) And boy, was this session such an eye opener to me about all the changes that happen because I... Again, I thought about hot flashes. I never thought about how my own vagina was going to change. Isn't it weird how this is something that deals a lot with our uterus and we disconnect so much from our I know. I mean, I knew about the irregular periods. I just never thought like, I don't know. There's other stuff that happens I know, but that the function of the vagina would change. It just never (laughs) occurred to me at all. Yeah. So basically what I learned from this, beyond what you were talking about, there are some of the changes that happen as estrogen especially decreases, mm-hmm. right? That the vagina can become shorter and, you know, less elastic. Right. But she added something else in there which was interesting, which is that you have what's called like a lot of folds in the vagina. Sure. She called them wrinkles. And the way she explained it was totally funny. I can't explain it how she did. But she basically went into how, you know, we have uh, wrinkles in our vagina. And it's the one place where you want them. You want wrinkles. (laughs) Like, isn't that the irony of women? Like, we get wrinkles in places we don't want them. Right. But then the place where we should keep the wrinkles, they actually disappear on us during perimenopause and after menopause. It's like men with hair. And you want the wrinkles there basically she said because they help keep the moisture in there right Mm -hmm. so basically her big message and what I took away from that was because when you have sex it's actually bringing a lot of blood flow to the vaginal area and it helps keep that area lubricated makes sense you need to have sex often oh the more frequently you do you hear that everybody the more frequently you have sex the healthier your vagina is and it'll stay healthier a lot longer. Okay. Because she sees women who sometimes go years without having sex because they start to have some painful issues that we're going to talk about. Right. You have pain. You don't want to do it. Right. And that becomes a vicious cycle. The longer you don't do it, the more it basically makes your vagina shorter and drier and atrophies yes it basically gets weaker like any other kind of muscles so anyway i went home and i told my husband i said you are gonna love what i learned tonight (laughs) at this session very important (laughs) i bet there are a lot of partners out there who would be thrilled i learned we have to have sex a lot more (laughs) a 
often. Right. She's like, I can get on board with that. So do you know what more off it is, or is it just... That was never defined. Okay. I, To be honest, we were laughing so much during this class, because she brought out <laughs> lubrication and talked to us about that. She brought out um, different sex toys. Okay. Oh, she went all in. She was all in, oh, and it was right. very informative. It was very... I mean, a lot of us, we don't talk about these things, so right. it was very... I mean, it was funny to many of us, but it was serious at yeah. the same time. Well, to approach it with humor, it's going to loosen people up right. and get them right. more in the mood to listen. Yeah, so I, I don't remember her saying, like, well, you have to do it, you know, at least two days a week or something like that. But okay. basically, the more often you have it, the better the better for your vagina. Okay. And probably better for your overall well-being, well-being and quality so. of life. I yes. would think so. <laughs> Because here's something that I found interesting, and this came about as I was researching this topic. Although, you know, when I think about it, knowing the nature of most women, I shouldn't be so surprised. Mm -hmm. But despite the reduction of desire and increase in pain that a lot of women tend to see during perimenopause, the frequency with which most of these women have sex does not seem to change. Huh. That is a little surprising to me, actually. Well, but think about it. I think it is. To me, it's like, okay, how many of us have done something in this realm? You know, I know there have been times in my life where I'm just not feeling it, but my partner was like, hey, babe, you know. (laughs) Probably a little more smooth than that, but you know, they're really feeling it, and I'm like, but you just go along with it, yeah. Like, is it more effort to make a fuss, or should I just, you know, take one for the team? I could do this for a few minutes, right? Yeah. It could be a nice little distraction. You know, obviously no coercion involved. Just like, okay, I'll just do this. Right. You know, but that's a once in a while thing as Mm -hmm. opposed to an ongoing problem. Yeah. And women seem to naturally have a tendency to put their needs on the back burner. And Mm -hmm. if you aren't comfortable talking about what's going on with your body, you're going to be more likely to put your head down and power through discomfort. And really, as we're going to talk about, you don't have to. That's the most Mm -hmm. important part of all of this. Right. I totally agree with that. There are things that doctors can do to help women through these hormonal changes. The main one that I think most women have heard of is HRT, right. or hormone replacement therapy, mm-hmm. right? There are two types that can be used to address sexual dysfunction in perimenopausal and menopausal women, systemic and vaginal. Vaginal hormone therapy is estrogen that typically is either a cream or gel applied to the skin or an insert to typically a ring that goes into the vagina. Mm -hmm. This type of HRT is very low dose, and while it will help to ease symptoms of things like inflammation and atrophy, the dosage is not enough to impact things like hot flashes and night sweats. Right, so it's very low dose. That would be great if it could kill two (laughs) birds with one stone, but it doesn't work that way. Systemic hormone therapy gives women a higher dose of estrogen and is for women who either aren't seeing relief for their sexual dysfunction from just vaginal hormone therapy right. or women who are suffering from many perimenopausal or menopausal symptoms, including hot flashes, night sweats, and so on. Right. So you have more things that we need to deal with. Mm-hmm. So we're right. going to attack it hard. Right. Yeah. And at this point, we should mention that several years ago, this was back like when our moms were going through perimenopause, mm-hmm. hormone replacement therapy was a pretty common treatment. Right. But then several studies came out right around that time showing Mm -hmm. that 
HRT elevated the risk of things like heart attacks, stroke, breast cancer, blood clots, especially when used in older women or when used for long periods of time. Oh, yeah. That freaked people out. Oh, yes. And so for a while, HRT used ground to a screeching halt. Like nobody wanted to do it. But now, you know, more studies have been done Mm -hmm. and doctors know more about how to effectively use hormone therapy while minimizing the risk. Right. And because of this, it's an important option for women who are dealing with a lot of these issues. Mm-hmm. And it's important to know that it, it might be an option right. for you. Right. You know, the important thing is to talk to your doctor. And again, like we mentioned this in the first two episodes of this series, mm-hmm. having that solid, open line of communication with your doctor, something that you start even before you're, you know, having any symptoms, this is crucial. Because then when this comes about, you guys can talk about the risks and benefits of HRT for you if you want to go that route, if it's something that could work for you. Right. Totally agree. Aside from hormonal issues that impact sex, there are other changes happening in a woman's body during perimenopause that can have an impact of the health of her sex life. We're going to chat about a few of the biggest ones. The first one is something called vaginitis. Anytime you see itis, that means inflammation. It makes me want to like itch. I know. This is inflammation (laughs) of the vagina. It can be caused by vaginal atrophy, like we talked about a little while ago, or it can be caused by an infection, such as a yeast infection Mm. or a bacterial infection. It can also be caused by an irritant, sometimes certain detergents, soaps, Mm -hmm. or even those feminine hygiene products that are out there Mm -hmm. that contain these irritants. Yes, and I'm going to share a little tidbit that I learned way back when I took my Women in Their Bodies and Health and Disease class at college. And that is that the vagina is a self-cleaning <laughs> organ. Now, that yes. does not mean that you can't, you know, clean, clean it the while outside. you're in the shower. But yes. clean the outside. You don't rinse. need to clean the inside. You don't need to put anything inside there that contains <laughs> any sort of cleansing yes. product. Yes. And you know you have vaginitis oh, because yes. symptoms include discharge, itching, burning, swelling, and sometimes pain during urination. Hmm. Ouch. So when it's not caused by hormonal changes, vaginitis can be treated by either stopping use of the irritating product right. or by medication if necessary. Ah, yes. I can't think of a single woman I know who hasn't had this <laughs> issue at one time yeah. or another. Not fun, but usually easily treatable. Yes. So the second issue that women may deal with is called vaginismus. Mm. And these are involuntary spasms of the muscles at the vaginal opening or in the perineum. So mm-hmm. for those who don't know, that's the area between your vagina and your anus. Mm-hmm. And these spasms can make penetration difficult or actually impossible sometimes mm-hmm. and can cause painful burning or stinging sensations. And when this happens for the first time during midlife, it can be due to estrogen deficiency or vaginal atrophy. But I also want to point out that it can be caused by things like past sexual abuse, fear of sex, or lack of sexual experience. Ah. So depending upon how this comes about, treatments can range from anything from medications to things like cognitive behavioral therapy, physical therapy, Mm -hmm. relaxation exercises, and biofeedback. 
There are also urinary issues that can impact sexual health. These can include recurring bladder infections or UTIs. Yeah. No fun. Not fun at all. Bladder inflammation and irritation, also known as interstitial cystitis, urethritis. I don't know if I'm saying that. I had a hard time saying that earlier. (laughs) Uh, Sensitivity to latex condoms and prolapsed bladder. These are all issues that can be treated by your doctor, usually by medication or even by surgery, especially in the case of a prolapsed bladder. Mm -hmm. Urinary incontinence is also part of this group. As estrogen levels fall, this depletion can cause thinning in the lining of the urethra, and as we age, our pelvic muscles, hello kegels, can also weaken. (laughs) So this combo can cause involuntary urine leakage. Yes. So like Heather mentioned, do those kegels, ladies. Maybe do them right now while you're listening to us. Your Queen of Hearts podcast time can be your kegel time. Ooh, that's a good idea. so nicely together, right? Yes. So there are two forms of urinary incontinence. Stress incontinence, which is caused by weak pelvic floor muscles, hence the kegels. Mm -hmm. And urge incontinence, which is also known as overactive bladder and is caused by irritated or overactive bladder muscles. Uh So ladies who have had vaginal births tend to be a little more susceptible to stress incontinence, especially if you've had multiple vaginal Mm -hmm. births. And this causes bladder leakage when coughing laughing, sneezing, or lifting things. (laughs) I'm laughing because I get this. (laughs) Are you peeing a little bit? No, not not right now. I'm not. But sneezing is a big one for me. Sometimes even coughing. You ladies know you do the thing where you cross your leg if you feel a sneeze coming on. (laughs) Try to be proactive. I'm I'm very proactive with it. Like, okay, I'm just going to prepare myself just in case. Good to know. Now I'll know why she's doing (laughs) that. Overactive bladder tends to be marked by the frequent sudden urge to pee with some occasional leakage. So Mm -hmm. obviously these things can cause problems during sex because leakage is estimated to affect up to 25% of women who have incontinence. Hmm. And this can lead to obviously embarrassment and then avoidance of intercourse. Oh, sure. If you think you're going to pee. Right. Or worrying so much that you're going to have leakage that you can't relax and enjoy sex. Yeah. And that's no way to live. Definitely not. We also need to mention that there are a lot of issues, social, familial, and so on, that are happening during the perimenopause transition Mm. that can also play a part in things like decreased desire for sex and decreased enjoyment of sex. Mm -hmm. These include things like death of parents or peers, financial problems, empty nest syndrome, divorce, retirement, personal illness, illness of a partner or close relative, loss of self-esteem, and and so on. on. Yeah. These are all issues that can lead to depression, and impaired sexual function is a common feature of depression. Yeah, it certainly can be. And the other issue here is that certain treatments for depression, like SSRIs or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, mm-hmm. can make sexual impairment worse. Oh. Yeah. So this is another case where it's important to speak with your doctor or therapist about the issues that you might be having in case there's a different 
different type of medication they can recommend for you as an alternative. Okay. Well, what we want all you ladies out there to know is that sexual issues during perimenopause is not uncommon at all. Mm -hmm. The thing is, female sexual dysfunction has adverse effects on everything from self-esteem to quality of life to your mood to relationships with sexual partners. It is also related to a significantly lower health-related quality of life meaning that it affects your overall health poorly. In case you were wondering, this includes your heart, which is why (laughs) we've decided to touch on this topic today. And while we've noted that sexual dysfunction can be problematic with sexual partnerships, it should also be noted that even for women who've already withdrawn from sexual interactions, you know, who decide not to have a sexual life because Mm -hmm. that's just their choice, loss of sexual desire can still cause profound distress. Mm -hmm. So if you find yourself suffering from any of these issues and you feel that they are also impacting other areas of your life, again, it's time to talk to your healthcare professional. Yes. Because there are so many things that can be done to improve your quality of life, both your sex life and otherwise. Yes, so true. Next week, we'll be chatting more about another of the self-esteem punishing symptoms of perimenopause. (laughs) That's weight gain, ladies. Like sexual issues, it's common but not inevitable. So we are going to get into why it happens during this time, why it is so unhealthy for our hearts, and what we can do to prevent it. Oh, that's going to be good because this is one area where I've already noticed some very unhappy changes going on, and I'd really like it if there weren't any more. I'd like it to stop now. So Right? I'm in that boat with you too. <laughs> it's one of the things that most has me worried about perimenopause. The loss of control that comes with that time and the changes to our bodies. You won't want to miss the discussion. Mm -mm. We hope we've opened the door for a little more conversation regarding sexual health during perimenopause so that you can take the time for a little self-evaluation as to how things are going in the bedroom for you. Or the living room, or the kitchen, (gasps) or the bathroom, the backyard. Oh my. Okay. (laughs) I don't have a fence like you, so... (laughs) I wasn't necessarily talking about myself. Okay. Join our conversation by leaving a comment on our Karen Yon Center YouTube channel. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. Spread the word about the Queen of Hearts podcast on your social media. And while you're at it, tell a friend. Thanks for listening today, everyone. And as we always say, be the ruler of your own heart. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Queen of Hearts podcast. Our podcast is recorded here at the Karen Yance Women's Cardiac Awareness Center inside Aurora St. Luke's Medical Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more heart-healthy tips, info, recipes, and more, visit our website at www.karenyancecenter.org, like us on Facebook at Karen Yance Center, and follow us on Pinterest. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our show and be sure to tell your friends. Until next time, ladies, be ruler of your own heart.